I'd invite you to pray with me. There is not going to be ice cream. Okay. (laughs) But there will be cake. There will be cake. All right. Let's pray, y'all. Oh, gracious and holy God. Um, Gosh, it is a privilege, Lord. It is a privilege um, to get to come before you and your word. It's a privilege to have these stories of Jesus handed to us. from which there is so much to learn about who you are and who you're calling us to be, about how we're meant to live in this world, the way we're called to treat one another, um, the ways you invite us to understand and see your love and compassion and healing power at work um, in and around us. Um, So God, help us be attentive in this time. Lord, help us lay down anything that might be distracting us or getting in the way um, so that we might uh, truly cherish this opportunity for what it is, this chance to hear you. So, Lord, speak and let us hear. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Our scripture uh, this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Let us listen for God's word for us this day. After a few days, Jesus went back to Capernaum and people heard that he was at home. So many gathered there that there was no longer space, not even near the door. Jesus was speaking the word to them. Some people arrived and four of them were bringing to him a man who was paralyzed. They couldn't carry him through the crowd, so they tore off part of the roof above where Jesus was. When they had made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Some legal experts were sitting there, muttering among themselves, Why does he speak this way? He's insulting God. Only the one God can forgive sins. Jesus immediately recognized what they were discussing, and he said to them, Why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easier, to say to a paralyzed person, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take up your bed, and walk. But so you will know that the human one has authority on the earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus raised him up, and right away he picked up his mat and walked out in front of everybody. They were all amazed and praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. So by the time we meet Jesus back at his home in Capernaum at the beginning of only the second chapter in Mark, Jesus has already been on a healing tour And it is clear that word is spreading about him. Scholars believe that Mark's gospel was the earliest one written of the four. And while it is the shortest, it is chalked through with action. 
Mark is known for his brevity and for his intensity, and both of those characteristics are so evident in the first chapter of the gospel, which begins with John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, but quickly moves to Jesus' baptism and temptation, his calling of the disciples before his teaching and healing begins in the synagogue in Capernaum. Word of Jesus' power spreads quickly throughout the region of Galilee. And by that evening, Scripture says the whole city was gathered at his door, having come with their need, having come to be healed. The next day, after a time away in prayer, Jesus tells the disciples they will go into the neighboring towns to teach and heal there. It is after a few days of that work that our Scripture begins. When Jesus returns to the city of Capernaum once more, and people hear that he is back at home, again it seems that the whole city has gathered to hear him. Among the crowd are the four friends of the paralyzed man whom they have carried to Jesus, laying on the mat that is his sickbed from which he cannot move on his own. Illness, when it strikes, so often stops us in our tracks. It interrupts life as we know it, and more often than not, leaves us in need of help. We need someone to care for us, need the help of at least time and rest for our immune systems to have time to heal us from within, and more often than not, we need some kind of help from outside ourselves in order to be made well whether it come in the form of a doctor's advice or medicine prescribed or treatment offered or therapy administered. The image of a man paralyzed on a mat, unable to get to Jesus on his own, paints an honest picture of what it can feel like to be sick, whether the illness is a 24-hour one, a chronic lifelong one, or a terminal one. Being stuck on a sickbed, dependent on others, as you seek the healing for which you long, rings true to the place an illness puts us. Steve Hayner was 65 years old, healthy and fit, the president of Columbia Theological Seminary, a role he held after a long career in meaningful ministry when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. It was a diagnosis and an illness that changed Steve's life immediately as he struggled with painful physical symptoms. At the same time, he was wrapping his head and his heart around his diagnosis. Steve and his wife, Cheryl, who was also an ordained pastor in our denomination, began sharing about their journey with Steve's illness online to keep the large community connected to them up to date with what was transpiring with his health. In his very first journal entry, Steve writes, So now, by God's grace, I enter the next chapter of the journey over which I have very little control. There is so much we do not know about the man and his four friends as they make their way to Jesus' home that day. We do not know how long he has been paralyzed or what caused his condition in the first place. 
We do not know where his four friends have come from, how they know him, their shared history that has led them to this moment. We can only imagine how big the man was, what it took physically for his friends to get him there that day. We do not even know whose idea it was to come to Jesus, who had the emotional and spiritual heft to bring him there. Is the paralyzed man the one who recruited his friend's help from a place of hope, or did they carry a man full of doubt and skepticism to Jesus' house that day? They, too, have so little they can control in the face of illness, of this paralysis. Yet they are walking, being carried, led on the journey by God's grace. For what we do see on full display in our story here is their determination, which had to be fueled by their trust, their hope, their desperate desire that Jesus could and would heal their friend. When the sea of humanity that surrounds Jesus' home makes it impossible for them to get to him, they look for another way. Instead of trying to get through the crowd, they decided they would try, will try the roof instead. They managed to get their friend to the rooftop, which we have to imagine wasn't a simple or easy task. And once there, they make a hole large enough in it through which to lower their friend down to Jesus from up above. What transpires from there is fascinating. Jesus sees the faith, the trust in the four friends, and it is then that he acts. But his first action isn't healing the man of his paralysis. Instead, it's offering him forgiveness. It's extending mercy. Child, your sins are forgiven, he says. This gets the legal experts from the synagogue, who I'm guessing have had their eye on Jesus since that first day in Capernaum when he taught and healed there. It gets them all in a huff as they mutter amongst themselves about this one who claims to have a power that is reserved for God alone. Jesus catches wind of that muttering and pushes back. In order to prove that he has the authority to forgive sins, he offers not just that emotional and spiritual healing, but a physical one as well, telling the paralyzed man to get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus raises him up, the man picks up that sick bed where he had been trapped in his condition, and he walks right out of the house and through the crowd on his way home. So many of Jesus' detailed acts of healing that are recorded in the Gospels mirror this one, and that Jesus' healing was holistic. Jesus took in the whole of the person in front of them, saw the spiritual, emotional, and physical illness before him, and offered healing over all of it. The longer I live, the more I am aware of how interrelated all of those systems are in us. 
There is no simple causal relationship when it comes to illness. The origins of this particular story cannot be boiled down to this man sinned, and because of that sin, he was paralyzed. Yet our emotional, spiritual, and physical systems are deeply connected in this interdependent web, which means for true healing to occur, it cannot be directed at just part of us. When Jesus met people who were hurting and suffering, Jesus saw how that illness, in whatever form it took, impacted the whole of them. And Jesus responded, healing them body, mind, heart, and soul. When Steve was first diagnosed, they thought the cancer would be operable. But just before that surgery was to occur, one last test revealed that the cancer had spread to Steve's liver. Surgery was no longer a viable treatment option, so the surgery was canceled, and a procedure to relieve some of his symptoms and another to put in a port for Steve's upcoming chemotherapy was scheduled in its place. As you read Steve and Cheryl's reflections in those early days of his journey, over and over again, they use the image of being carried. We continue to be carried through this somewhat surreal experience. Mostly, I am in awe and very thankful for the gifts of friendship and encouragement. On another day, this all feels very overwhelming to me. I have to keep remembering one step at a time, one day at a time. God will be faithful to hold us and carry us no matter what happens. And on another day, as the treatments begin to provide relief from the cancer symptoms, I thank God for you all and for your prayers. We are being carried along by them. That carrying continued through nine months of Steve's illness. The carrying continued through chemo treatments that eventually could not overcome the tide of cancer that took over Steve's body. The carrying continued as Steve celebrated his last Christmas with his family. It continued as he greeted the new year and the hospice team who would become carriers for him and his family in the last stretch of the journey. The carrying continued each day in so many ways, until finally Steve was placed at the feet of Jesus, until finally his healing came. Steve died in the afternoon of January 31st, 2015. His wife Cheryl shared this reflection later that day. Steve's life was swallowed up by capital L life this afternoon. As we had prayed and had written about, he went home before dark, without pain and surrounded by family and dear friends. We are grieving, but not as those who have no hope. Truly, it was beautiful to walk him home together. And we trust that he is now experiencing the fullness of joy in Jesus' presence. 
She goes on. Steve Harrington, who had been a friend of ours for three decades, recently wrote about a memory of a time together with Steve on a retreat. He's turned the memory into a parable that speaks deeply to me every time I read it. Here is Steve's parable, written uh, to his friend Steve. My favorite unique memory with you was years ago at Wellspring Retreat Center. You remember we were given various iterations of the trust walk. In one of those exercises, we were supposed to guide our blindfolded partner from behind using only our voice. You walked in front of me, and I directed you with only words into a small thicket of woods. I had you stepping over logs and ducking down below strong branches. You went slowly and could feel dead wood snapping beneath your feet and all of the twigs on your face as you brushed past them. You knew that we were walking through a very thick and tangled terrain, a precarious path for someone blindfolded and having to trust only the words spoken to them. Then I brought you almost out of the woods to the very edge of a large, flat, grassy field and stopped you six inches from the grass. You were still standing in the woods blindfolded. You remember, right? You had no idea that all the tangles and tripping hazards and undergrowth and slapping branches and hard trees were behind you and that before you was only a broad, flat, lush field of green grass. You were still in the woods, imagining yourself stuck in the midst of all the tangles and hazards. Only I knew that before you, it was all level and open and free <clears throat> of any encumbrance or danger or fear. Then I said, at the count of three, I want you to run straight forward as fast as you can. I counted to three. And with great trust, you took off running, charging ahead, screaming your lungs out, flailing your arms. Worried that you were still careening through the woods, but also suddenly laughing to find out that you were out of the tangled danger and running easily into a flat field full of soft and forgiving grass. This. This is the journey ahead for you, my friend, whenever it is that you take it. The word is behind you. The capital W word is behind you, but also goes before you. The word made flesh walks with you and is within you. And therefore, all shall be well. All shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. The nausea and discomfort, the fear and weakness, the tears and treatments, that tr those tripping hazards and threatening thickets will be over, and you will run full speed, screaming and laughing into the forgiving arms of grace and the healing heart of God. Just hours after that moment would have occurred, just hours after Steve's death, Cheryl writes, 
Steve is in God's forgiving arms of grace and the healing heart of God. Friends, it is because we know Jesus that we know those forgiving arms of grace, that we know that healing heart of God. Christ meets us in our illness, and no matter how the journey unfolds from there, it is one that leads toward our healing. Whether that healing comes in this life or the one to come, it leads to our holistic healing, body, mind, heart, and soul. Sometimes we are the one on the sickbed needing to be carried. Sometimes we are a friend who comes alongside and through our love and our prayers, our acts of service and our willingness to be present, our stories and our song, our laughter and our tears. We are a friend who is called to carry one we love into Jesus's presence. All of those roads lead to Jesus and the healing he offers. All of those roads lead to the forgiving arms of grace, to the healing heart of our God. Amen.